Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another edition of The Link, where we discuss current topics from a biblical perspective. Also want to give a special welcome to our Woodside family. So appreciate you tuning in each week. Today, we got to cover a pretty heavy topic, but I think it's important uh, because it's been a pretty heavy year. Maybe you have experienced personally grief and loss. All of us have had to suffer through a year like none other as it pertains to a pandemic, a health crisis, economic turmoil, social unrest, and all of that produces within us a tremendous amount of grief. And what do you do with all of that grief? Well, today we're gonna to talk about how we handle grief and process lament. And I've invited two friends to help us to have this important conversation. First off, Justine Miles is joining us. She is a member of our Royal Oak campus, moved here in 2016 with her husband, Ron, and uh, so grateful to have you here with us now. I heard a, a rumor that you are an Ohio State Buckeye fan. Is that true? It is, but you can't hold it against me. Well, okay, I think we can move interview. past it. This is going to be a tough interview, but we are so happy to have you with us. Thanks, Chris. I'm excited to be here. And then one of our favorite pastors, Pastor Billy Creech, who oversees our Romeo campus. Pastor Billy, thanks for joining. Of course, not an Ohio State not fan. Not an Ohio State fan. <laughs> I do love the Sooners, though, but no there one here you. seems to care about <laughs> Big 12. Like. There we go. So we have a lot of collegiate football diversity already. Uh, but I appreciate you guys joining. And it's great to be able to laugh. But obviously, we know every moment isn't laughter. It hasn't been true this year and it hasn't been true for our lives. Uh, life presents us with a lot of tough things. So Pastor Billy, let's start with talking about uh, what the Bible says about lament, about grief and mourning, uh, because there is a really strong theology from Old Testament to New. You know, Chris, it's um, interesting. I, I've thought a lot uh, about this, uh, not just this year, but really over the past season of life. And I think there's a big difference between grief and sorrow and biblical lament, you know, from the point of view of a, of a Christian. When you read through and you see Nehemiah or you read through and you get in the Psalms, and you, especially like Psalm 30, Psalm 31, I think we see this pattern that we're called to in lament where it always starts with God, right? You see that Psalm 30, Psalm 31, that's the first thing is, let me talk about how great God is. But then you see, and I think that's where sometimes we get tripped up as Christians is we almost act like because we believe in God that we're not supposed to hurt yeah. and we're not supposed to grieve and we're not supposed to mourn. Everything's just supposed to flow right off. But what you see as you read through, you see this wrestling match. Yeah. You see this, which is what we see in Luke 22 with Jesus, don't we? Mm -hmm. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane mm -hmm. and he's praying and what happens, in, and we'll just skip over Peter, James, and John falling asleep yes. when he's supposed <laughs> to have community, the community sleeping, which sometimes we feel like, right? We feel alone in that journey of grief and sorrow and lament. And Jesus prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yeah. And I think we know that feeling, that burn of I don't like the brokenness in our nation. I don't like the brokenness in my community. I don't like the brokenness in my family. I don't like this hurt I'm feeling. Lord, I'd love for you just to take it away right now. That's, that's where that heart of lament is, Pastor. And, and I think that the beauty is, is when you continue, when you continue reading, you see Jesus come to that place of saying, not my will, but yours. And that, that's where it's at. You know, you remind me of two things. Number one, that this world is not as God intended it to be. And it's okay, secondly, for us to acknowledge that. I think so often, and I don't know what the origin of this is, but so many members of the body of Christ believe that faith is somehow denialism, that we somehow pretend that life 
isn't terrible at times. When the Bible tells us in the last days there'll be perilous times. I, I appreciate just seeing that scripture seems to give us permission to be honest about our stories. And so I wanna hear yours. Uh, you obviously have had a journey uh, with uh, grief and loss. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my husband and I were married in 2016. And after being married for four years, we were, we really felt the Lord say, you know, it's time to, to start a family. And so we were pregnant um, in July of 2019 with our first baby. And it was just like every, every, um, every moment that you just dream about, it was there, it was happening, telling my family and you know, my dad crying and doing the grandma and grandpa mugs. And it was just so much joy and happiness because there was really no fear at that time. Um, so we went in for our eight week appointment and, um, you know, we couldn't find a heartbeat. And so I was just so, so broken at that point. And I, I had no idea that this would happen to me. This would be a part of my story. Um, you know, had surgery and um, you know, a few months later, um, was pregnant with our second baby. And we went in for um, some early blood testing. We had worked with our doctors and they said, you know, we're gonna have a game plan. Um, you know, this is most likely not gonna happen again. And we lost our second baby. And then the day after Thanksgiving, we found out that we were pregnant for a third time with our daughter, Sayla. And we were just so excited to get past that eight-week mark. And hearing her heartbeat was everything that I have ever dreamed of hearing. It was just so much joy. And we had fear, yes, and there was anger. Um, but we were just so, we just knew that the Lord was going to provide. We just had so much faith that this was, this was going to be our baby that we get to raise on this side of heaven. And so, you know, we finally started to tell people and I was showing and just loving that, that experience of being a mom. Um, we finally told all of our cousins and family and friends and there was just so much joy. And then um, it was at 18 weeks on February the 28th, we uh, unexpectedly lost our daughter, Selah. And we delivered her, um, we got to hold her, we got to meet her. She had already went to be with Jesus at that time. But those moments with my husband, just being a rock for our family as we just mourned the loss of our daughter that we just loved so much. Yeah, yeah, that's incredibly tough. I mean, uh, the things that you and Ron have been through are um, just, unbelievably difficult. And I think about um, how so many people can identify yet with what you're saying. And I do wanna say to those who are going through miscarriages, uh, stillborn pregnancies, uh, that our heart breaks for you. And uh, part of what we wanna do is take away the stigma of talking about these things. I think so many people so often are not only suffering, but suffering in silence. And um, in your story, um, prayerfully can help to bring some liberation to people to feel that, hey, I can talk about this and I can talk about it with my church, my family, hopefully my group and my community. You know, Pastor Billy, as I listen to Justine, I, I can't help but to think 
pastorally, right? And part of the way we're trained as pastors is to uh, be caregivers. But um, it's, it's difficult uh, to do that, in particular when you are faced with the question of, Lord, why? And people are asking you that, or, or where is God? Often, as you note, noted with Jesus, feeling alone. Um, how do you shepherd through grief and loss, maybe of this kind, but the loss that you experience uh, throughout your church family every day? You know, Chris, I think I, I learned really what it meant to be a, a pastor and what it really meant to shepherd with my mother-in-law. Um, our, our family experienced a, a tragedy where there was a car accident. A young man was street racing on a Saturday morning, and um, it, it hit the car that my mother-in-law was in. She was in the car with her husband, her mom, her dad, her uncle, and she's the only one who survived uh, the car accident. So it was just in a blink. And so we brought her home to live with us. And so sitting at the foot of her bed, trying to answer that exact question, I, I think is where I really learned how to shepherd. Um, seminary didn't teach me that because when she looked and she said, Billy with my mom and my dad, it was a blessing. They got to go together. I don't understand why my husband have to die. Um, and I think it went back to what Jesus said. He said, in this world, we're going to have trouble. We can count on that, but we act like uh, this is, Holiday Inn instead of instead of this being a temporary home like what Peter talks about yeah. we act like this Holiday Inn experience is forever and this is not forever yeah. right we don't go to Holiday Inn and think I should I should bring all my clothes and I should bring my dining room table and I should act like this is my forever home yeah. we understand this is temporary it's a day or two right? we understand that and yet we act like this world is our home and it's supposed to be heaven and it's not it's broken, Pastor, and, and I think that that's where it's at is that reminder of um, there is mourning, and sometimes all through the night, right? And sometimes it might take two or three nights and maybe weeks or months, but there is joy in the morning. Yeah. And I think it's that reminder that there is joy in the morning. And sometimes you need to hear that from people who have a lived experience. You know, I tell people all the time that one of the things I appreciate most about Scripture is that it doesn't hide the ugly parts of what it means to be live in a broken world. I mean, if we talk about lament, you need to look no further than Job, an entire book of a man who's walking through uh, pain and suffering, ending up ultimately acknowledging, as you said in the Psalms, the greatness of God and, uh, and his sovereignty in it all. But yet having to walk through all of that, um, we have to be able to acknowledge the fact that God is faithful from personal testimony, but I love the fact that with your mother-in-law, with those you shepherd, you also have the reservoir of the promises of the Word of God. And I, you know, uh, I think about the fact that as you share your story, as I think about my story or your personal story or the story of those who are watching, is that we serve a God who also knows what it's like to watch his son uh, suffer and die. And um, praise God that God knows how to bring beauty from ashes, but part of your story, because you seem to have such a resilient faith, but part of your story uh, to, to me has to uh, speak back to community. So talk about the role of community as you and your husband were journeying through what had to be the toughest season of your life. Yeah, so we, when we moved here in 2016, it was like, God really was setting us up with some of the best friends that we ever could have dreamed of. They really just showed up for us in really beautiful ways. And 
they just lamented alongside of us, which I really appreciated. Um, just, I had one friend and we just sat in the empty nursery of Selah's and just wept together. I had people show up at my house with coffee and meals and gift cards and people just showed up to say, I love you and I'm here and I'm sad with you. And I think that's a really beautiful thing about lament. When you, when you feel like you have lost everything, you learn a new song to sing in your heart, yeah. a, a new way to pray to God because you are just so desperate. You're desperate for hope and that hope can only come through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so it's that, really, it's that really beautiful time where you can bring all of your complaints and all of your anger. And then in scripture, it's that yet or the but or the then. And that's where that tone changes. And that's what I love about Lamentations 3.21. It's Jeremiah bringing his complaints to God and then saying, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And it was through community, it was through, you know, alone time in the word with God. Um, it was through our pastors who just came alongside us and praying with us and just showing up to cry with us that I was able to get to that, that, that yet in scripture, but yet he is faithful, yet there is going to be a purpose for what I'm walking through and God is going to carry us and he will make this good, that's a promise. And so I'm just so thankful that God had set us up with these, these people in our life who just, just love us a lot yeah. and really have helped carry, carry us through the loss of our three babies and our, our prayer warriors today. Yeah, you know, right. we are still praying um, that one day the Lord would help us to be parents on this side of heaven mm -hmm. and just to have people who are praying with us when some days we don't have the energy to pray for that anymore. Yes. Community is just so important. So Pastor Billy, we're big on groups here. This is why, right? Because we don't know when we're gonna need that community, but we also don't know when we're gonna be called on to be those sojourners. So I don't wanna sound like a commercial, but I would love for you to talk about the importance of that commitment of living in community, going from uh, maybe just being an attender on a weekend to really getting into uh, group life and, and, and doing life with other people. Yeah, Chris, I think it's so important because it's recognizing that we all have gifts and talents and passions and burdens for a reason. We have things that break us, that break the heart of God. We have things that we're passionate about, that God is passionate about. When you bring that together in a collective group, it's powerful, yeah. right? It allows us to truly be the church together and there's no Lone Ranger Christians in the Bible. That's you right. just don't see it. You don't That's see right. people going off and the Lord saying, this is good, do this, repeat this. But you constantly see this call to do it in community. And time and time again, when we see tragedy rise up, that's when I, I know in that moment, we were reminded, maybe just a simple prayer, Lord, we show us how you're glorified even in this. Yeah. Even in this, show us how you're glorified. We didn't make that up. It was the body reminding us to seek his glory because sometimes you need people around you. You know, Pastor Billy, I just think about the power of groups in my own life. There's no way that my wife and I would have made it through those valley moments that I think about in, uh, in our lives if it, hasn't been, if it hadn't been for the people that God just strategically placed there. Uh, I just remember times where 
people came to our homes and, and no particular thing they did, but just the fact that they were there, the power of presence ministry is so important. But I also think about 2020, like as a church, we would not have survived if it wasn't for groups. It was these, these communities, these small communities of people doing life together, even via Zoom and Facebook. And for all of you who are all Zoomed out, but stay connected, thank you for doing that. Uh, that's what community looks like. And uh, in many ways, it allowed us to, uh, as a church, experience the grace of God when our doors uh, weren't open. Uh, Justine, I do wanna ask a question though about what we can do with our brokenness, because for a lot of people, their brokenness leads them to bitterness. But for some people, and I think this is true for you, out of the brokenness comes mission, comes purpose. So talk about that. Yeah. Um, well, Pastor Chris, we, I definitely was in a season of bitterness. Yes. And I, that is, you know, going back to community, I had people around me helping me or just showing up, like you said, the power of presence ministry. Um, but really when my husband and I started working alongside of CareNet to raise money and support for women and babies and families in need, we really found that there was so much purpose to our loss. And just knowing that we could help something, you know, small for a family in need really was something powerful. So we do the walk for life. Um, my husband, uh, our puppy, and I did it this past year, which was really fun. And it was just a really great way to honor our babies because, you know, when you lose a, a, an, um, a baby, you don't have these years of memories. You just have these lost hopes and dreams. And so it is sometimes difficult to find ways to honor them. And so partnering with Karenet really helps us live out the mission for our daughter and, and for our babies. And so we just love partnering with them and helping them raise money and awareness. And it's just an amazing ministry. Well, I'm a big fan of Karenet as well. And folks, you remember a few episodes ago, we had Laura Ferruja, who's the executive director for Karenet Berkeley Detroit on with us. We'll make sure in this postscript that we leave their website Maybe prayerfully, God may have you advocate as well. But I think that's beautiful, the way that you were able to find purpose in the midst of, of pain. And uh, I think that God sometimes gets most glory from the testimony of those who have gone through painful seasons and yet seen God do amazing things through it. All right, so here's the toughest question I'm going to ask you. Toughest question, and that is, why continue to trust Jesus? Because some will hear the story of your mother-in-law and say, why trust Jesus after that? Some will hear your story and uh, maybe ask the same question or even our story of loss. So I'll start with you, Pastor Billy. What would you say to someone who on the other side of loss um, is struggling with the question, why trust Jesus? Because the Lord is good, Chris. He is so, so good. Yesterday, today, and forever, he is good. This world is broken, but this world's not our home. Uh, this world is incredibly broken. I think we feel the pain from that. I, I think we see all of creation groaning right now. I, I think we look at our nation. I think we look at our communities, and we see the very real hurt and the very real pain that's there. And yet, in Christ, what do we see? We see joy. We see peace. We see patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. This is what we see in the Lord. And I say to continue to cling to those things that are true and that are, are holy. That's, 
That's why we continue to trust him. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Justine? I think there's this intimacy that you get with the Lord when you truly don't know if you can get out of bed in the morning without his grace and just his strength lifting you up. And I think it's in those intimate moments of a prayer and quiet time that you just get to know a deeper level of his love and his tenderness and his steadfastness. And you just trust him because he, he is your, your father. He is our healer and he is just coming and covering you. And just the darkest moments of my entire life have been in the past year, mm -hmm. just losing my babies. And, but I can, I can say with full confidence that I love and know Jesus more because of those losses, just the way that he has covered me. He is a God who can be trusted. And I'm so, so thankful that through this storm, he's going to carry me through. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives you the ability to comfort others as you experience this comfort. You know, as I ponder that question, why I trust Jesus, I can't help but to think of what's the alternative? You know, I think about Peter's response in John 6 when Jesus asked, well, aren't you going to walk away too? And Peter's response is, where else will we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Uh, you think about what it's like to live in this world without a savior. It's not like the brokenness goes away. It's not like walking away from Jesus stops the suffering. The fact of the matter is, is we have two choices. We can suffer without a savior, or we can suffer with a blessed hope of knowing that this world is not our home. And as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, we don't mourn like those who have no hope. We have a hope and his name is Jesus. We've been preaching about it. Hope has a pulse. Hope is alive. Hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And I think that uh, being anchored in that truth allows us to be able to face the darkness and to rise the next morning, knowing that God is with us and that he's for us and that he's able to take the broken pieces and make something beautiful out of it. You guys have been a huge blessing to me and I hope that we've been an encouragement to you as well. I wanna ask Justine to pray, but I want you to know that our churches across all 14 campuses are equipped to support you through our life groups, through our pastors who care deeply, through our counselors that we have a network of. We just wanna make sure you don't suffer in silence, that you know that we are committed as a church to loving you through even the dark moments of your life. Justine, can you pray for us? Yeah. Father God, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that our hope is in you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are close to us when we are mourning. Lord, you mourn with us and you weep alongside of us. Lord, we just thank you that you are a near and present Father. God, we thank you that we can turn our, our pain into praise, God that there's that then, there's that yet in scripture. God, that we can turn our complaints and our heartache and our suffering and, and know that you are good and know that you are sovereign, that you are above all things. In you, all things hold together, Jesus. We thank you that we, we have this language of lament, God, that you rescue and you restore what was broken. And Lord, you just give so much grace, grace that we are, we just don't deserve. God, we love you. We praise you. We praise you for our church. Uh, Lord, we praise you for, for what you're doing. And we ask all of this in your name, we pray.
Amen. Well, Pastor Billy, just saying thank you for joining us on the link. And to all of my friends, remember the words of John chapter 14. Jesus says these words, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. You know, he has given us these precious promises so that our hearts would not fail or faint, but that we would trust in him because he is a God of grace who keeps all of his promises. And just know that in the postscript for this particular episode, we have resources uh, that we want to recommend to you. One that I would recommend, written by Jerry Sitzer. It's called A Grace Disguised. I think you'll enjoy it as you read it. It'll minister to your heart and soul. We've all uh, given recommendations, so you can find it there. We also have a blog from a counselor, Dr. Sabrina Black, that will also encourage you as well. And just know that we're praying for you. Can't wait to see you on the next edition of The Link. Thank you.